Amen. Please be seated. Open your Bibles to the book of Malachi. As we continue our series in that prophet this evening, we'll be looking at Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Here now... The word of God. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring. And spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and ye shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts, and so I make you despised. And abased before all the people. And as much as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. As far as the reading of God's word, let's pray. O Lord our God, we know that you have given us your word for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness so that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We ask now, as we come to your word, you would use it to these ends, that you would equip us for every good work, that you would show us what it is you would have us to know from this passage. Most of all, that you would show us the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom this passage, uh, to whom this passage points. We ask, Lord, that you would do this for our good. We ask that you would do it for your glory. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Children, I wonder what you would do if your teachers, or maybe your mom, if you are homeschooled, came up to you one day and said, you know, I am not really too keen on teaching you the things you should know anymore. I think instead of doing school, we're just going to watch TV and play games and goof around all the time. Now, you might think that that sounds pretty exciting right now. You might say, well, I don't have to do schoolwork. I don't have to do math anymore. That sounds pretty good to me. But let me ask you what would happen if you did that all this school year, and then next school year, your teacher of the the next grade up or your mom changed their mind and said, okay, okay. We're doing school. What did you learn 
last year? Oh, then you might start to get a little bit nervous, right? You might think, well, I didn't learn anything last year. Your teacher says, let's go over your multiplication tables. And you might think, I didn't study those. I don't know my multiplication tables. Or your teacher might say, we're doing calculus this year. And you think, I didn't even do algebra last year. That might be pretty rough on you to move up a grade and and not have learned those things that you were supposed to know. And it would even have far-reaching consequences for you if maybe you tried to get a job and you'd never learned how to read. Might be a little bit hard to, to get a good job, right? What does that have to do with Malachi? Well, God, in our text, is focusing his, his rebuke, his oracle, on his priests. Now, you remember last time in Malachi, we looked at God's rebuke for the priests and for the people as a whole because they were not offering proper worship to God. God says, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to be bringing uh, lame and blind sheep to sacrifices. You're supposed to be obeying my laws and and worshiping me properly. And we know that those sacrifices ultimately point to Jesus. And so if those people were were not bringing uh, pure, spotless lambs, they were basically saying, well, we don't need God's Messiah in the future, the pure and spotless lamb of God. But now God shifts his focus. He kind of zooms in on the priests. He says, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing what a priest should do. God's people were to worship him properly. And to do that, they needed to come to God through priests who were doing what they were supposed to do. And part of what these priests were supposed to do is to teach the people of God, to teach the people God's ways, to teach the people what God commanded, especially when it concerned worship, but they weren't. They weren't. The priests were neglecting their duties. And that is a big problem for Israel. It's a big problem for Israel because God's people need a true priest to do what a priest should do don't they? And that's essentially, if we, if we summed this nine verses up to one little sentence, that would be what God is saying. God's people need a true priest to do what a priest should do. We see that here when God uh, corrects the priests. He calls it a command here in the very beginning of chapter two. Now, O priest, this command is for you. So God gives a command to the priests, an admonition, a correction for them. We see this because of uh, the covenant which God made with Levi. He made a covenant with Levi, he said. We see that God teaches us that a true priest, we need a true priest to do what a priest should do because he condemns the priests for not doing what they're supposed to do. And those are three broad categories that break down this passage that I would like us to look at this evening. First, we see God's command in verses 1 through 3. And second, we see Levi's covenant, or the covenant God made with Levi in verses 4 through 7. And third, we see the priest's condemnation. And all of that teaches us that God's people 
need a true priest to do what a priest should do. And I've repeated that over and over again, and I trust you will see why if you haven't already gotten it by the end of our time in this passage together. But with those things in mind, let's go to the Word of God and, and see how this opens up, see how this teaches us that we need a true priest and teaches us what true priest we need. So let's look at God's command, verses 1 through 3. We read there, And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. The Lord opens up this, this direct address to the priest by saying, this command is for you, focusing in on them. This word, uh, which we've translated here, command, uh, gives the sense, really, of, of the fact that God is admonishing the priests and correcting them and telling them, uh, what it is they haven't done, what it is they're supposed to do. It's a warning and a promise, really, of what God is going to do if they continue to despise his name. You remember back in chapter 1, uh, 1 verse 6, God says to the priests and to the people, you're despising my name. You're saying that uh, you don't really care who I am or what I say. You're, you're despising me. You're showing that you really hate me even though you are bringing me offerings. And you remember the priests and the people say, what? How have we despised your name? And God says, you're not worshiping me properly. Well, now God is focusing in on the priest and he's saying, you, O priests, have despised my name. You are allowing these sacrifices to continue. What's more, you're encouraging these sacrifices by not correcting the people. So he admonishes them, corrects them. Tells them, you need to listen. You need to pay attention. Verse 2, he says, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, then I will send the curse upon you. This command of God, this admonition is, is a dire warning from God to his priests. He says, listen, you've been despising my name. You aren't undertaking the work which I've set you apart to properly. You're ignoring my laws. You're ignoring my word. Now I want you to pay attention. Listen up. I'm warning you. If you don't listen to me, if you don't honor my name, if you continue to, to despise me, God says to the priest, I will send a curse upon you. Indeed, he has already cursed them he says, because they have not been doing what priests should do. God warns them and says, I will send a threefold curse upon you. Indeed, I already have. What is this uh, threefold curse? What is God warning them about? God warns them that if they don't honor his name, if they don't take that to heart, if that isn't what their entire purpose is. He's going to curse their ministry. He's going to curse their descendants. He's going to curse them. We 
see this when God says, I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. One of the tasks of the priests of Israel was to pronounce the Lord's blessing upon his people. After, after the worship of God's people, after the sacrifice, that the priests were to, to raise their arms over the congregation of Israel and proclaim the Lord's blessing. God says here that if they do not take it to heart to honor his name, he's going to curse that blessing. People, how would you like it if when Pastor Matt or I raised our hands to give you the benediction, to give God's benediction at the end of our worship service each Lord's Day morning or evening, those words were not actually words of blessing, but were words of curses. I don't think you would like that very much, would you? I know that I certainly would not like that. I would not like to proclaim curses upon you. That's what God threatens to do. He says, you'll say the right words. You'll say the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. But God says, that won't actually be my blessing upon the people because you, my priests, are not being priests. He says, I'll reverse it. That ministry of blessing, which you should have to the people, will be taken away from you. And that's a very dire warning, isn't it? But God doesn't stop there. He tells them he's going to curse their descendants. He says, behold, I will rebuke your offspring. He would end their, their family line, essentially. Now, you, you remember that the, the priests of Israel were descendants of Aaron. Uh, the tribe of Levi had this ministry of, of teaching God's people, of ministering to them. And so the, the role of priest, the office of priest, was hereditary. Aaron's sons became priests, and their sons became priests, and their sons became priests, and on and on and on and on. And so God says that he will rebuke their offspring. He's essentially saying, priests, if you do not honor my name, I'm going to cut off your family line. If you won't honor me, priest, I will end the line of priests. And that's another very grave warning for God's people, isn't it? Especially for the priests. And finally, the Lord tells these priests that if they don't honor his covenant, he's going to curse them. He says, I'll rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. And the dung of the offering, that's, that's the awful that comes from uh, the sacrificial animals. Uh, some of you uh, have farm animals. Some of you have been hunting before. You know that when you clean an animal and you take its guts out of it, it's pretty nasty. Well, the priests had to clean these animals. They had to take the guts out and they threw it all in a big pile. Guts, poop, etc. All sitting there in the pile. And then after the sacrifices, they had to clean that, that, that out. Excuse me. They had to take it out of the temple. They had to remove it. And they, they took it out of the city and they burned it and disposed of it. God says to the priests, that's going to be rubbed on your faces 
making you ritually unclean. Priests were supposed to be clean, bathed before they offered the sacrifices. So God says, you'll be ritually unclean. And what's more, I will take you out with the rest of those guts and dispose of you. You shall be taken away with it. This poses a big problem for Israel, doesn't it? The ministry of the priests broken, their blessings are curses, their, their line cut off. And what's more, the priests that they do have made unclean and removed. What are the people supposed to do? They need a priest. We need a priest. See, for people to approach the living and true God, they need someone to intercede for them. They need a priest. The priests of Israel were supposed to intercede with God for the people, so an end to this, these curses, would effectively eliminate Israel's chance to go to the living and true God, to be saved by the living and true God. So it's not just a threat to the priest, but to Israel as a whole. This is a very serious warning. Why does God make this warning? It's because of this Levi covenant. The covenant he made with Levi. These things that a priest ought to do. We see this in verses 4 through 7. There we read, So you shall know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So why did God command these things? Why was he admonishing the priests? Why was he warning them? It's so that his covenant with Levi might stand, so it might continue, so that the people would still have priests, so that we still would have uh, intercessors to go before them and represent them to God. So the covenant might stand. Now, when God speaks of Levi here, he's not uh, talking about uh, the son of Jacob, he's talking about the tribe as a whole, about the entire uh, priestly line, the priestly uh, family. And when he speaks of covenant here, he's speaking of a sovereignly administered bond with stipulations and sanctions. Now, you remember I mentioned earlier o. Palmer Robertson's uh, definition, a bond in blood sovereignly administered. A covenant could also be defined as a sovereignly administered bond. There, I just changed the words a little bit, but it has stipulations and, and sanctions. This means that a covenant is not necessarily between uh, two equal parties, at least not a divinely given covenant, but it's between a king, indeed the king of kings, and a lesser individual. In this case, the tribe of Levi. And covenants have stipulations, things which you're supposed to do. God made this covenant with Levi and he said, here is what you are supposed to do. 
You uphold your end of this covenant. Do what you are supposed to do. And it, it has sanctions. Basically, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, there are consequences to your actions. Blessings, if you do what you're supposed to do. Consequences, if you do not do what you are supposed to do. And a covenant is how God has, has always related to man. God has always dealt with people through covenants. So they're very important for us to understand. Now, what exactly is this covenant with Levi? Or maybe we could ask the question, when was this covenant with Levi made? And I've got a a very good technical answer for you there. We're not really sure. We We don't really know. In fact, the Bible does not explicitly tell us when God made a covenant with the tribe of Levi. Uh, commentators gave a hundred different options. Uh, I think the one that makes the most sense was when the tribe of Levi is set apart to be priests after the golden calf incident. You remember there in Exodus 32, Moses comes down off the mountain and he sees the people worshiping and he says, who's on the Lord's side? And the Levites all run to him. And then they cut down uh, the idolaters and the false worshipers. And and there in uh, Leviticus 32, God sets apart the tribe of Levi to be his priests because of their great zeal for the Lord. I think that's probably the best answer for when this covenant was made sometime around that point when God set apart the tribe to do that. But at the end of the day, we we can't pinpoint an exact moment when this covenant was made or, or what was made. But we know that there was a covenant made with Levi because God says so here in Malachi. What did this covenant entail? my definition of a covenant, I said it has stipulations. There's things that are supposed to happen and there's blessings in covenants. We see that this covenant had blessings. God says, my covenant with him was one of life and peace and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. God made this covenant. The blessings that he promised were life and peace. Those seem like pretty good blessings, don't they? We all like life. We all like being alive. We all like peace in our days. We chiefly and most especially like life, free and eternal, life which we have in Christ, and we like the peace that we have with God. Maybe like is is a bad word. It's an understatement, really. Those are fantastic and wonderful blessings, to have life in Christ, to have peace with God. Those are things which we need, which we must have. God gave life and peace to Levi in this covenant. Levi feared God. He stood in awe of God. He reverenced God. He worshiped God. He saw God for who he truly is. We need to see God for who he truly is. We need to see God as as the holy, holy, holy God. Completely other and and set apart. Nothing like like we are, but the true and living God. We need to see God in, in all of his many wonderful attributes. We should stand in awe of him. He's God, the Lord of hosts. The king of heaven, the the one who commands legions upon legions of angel armies. We should stand in awe of him. Levi stood in awe of him. Or the priests, the faithful priests of God stood in awe of him. 
They worshipped him. And their stipulations, what they should do was to teach the people of God. They were to fulfill their role as teachers of, of God's word and of God's ways. True instruction was in his mouth. No wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. He is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. The priests were supposed to teach the people about God. They were supposed to intercede for the people before God. They were supposed to offer up sacrifices on behalf of the people to God. And they were supposed to teach the people, this is what God says. This is his law. This is his word. Listen to him. Maybe right now you are thinking of perhaps another group of people that are supposed to teach God's people, God's word. And I think this, this text has particular application to ministers, to elders, as they are called to preach the word of God to his people, to teach the word of God. And maybe some of you out there are not elders right now, but maybe you could be in the future if God calls you to it. Young men, you should pay particular attention here because we pray that the Lord would raise up more officers from the young men in our churches, from the young men uh, in all of the congregations of God. Ministers, elders, are supposed to teach God's word to his people faithfully. To turn many from iniquity. To proclaim the word of God to his people. Not their own opinions. Not their own ideas. But to proclaim God's word to God's people. To proclaim salvation in Christ alone. To proclaim the glories of God in Christ. To teach truly and well. And while this has particular application to elders, ministers, and the like, this also has, I think, far-reaching application to all of us as we are called by God, chosen by God, to be uh, a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, as we talked about a little bit this morning, especially as we looked at First uh, Peter we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We are all priests of God, which means we are to proclaim the gospel of Christ to those people around us. We are to teach people the word of God. We are supposed to tell others who God is, what he's done, and most of all, to proclaim salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. But... The people of Israel, here in the day of Malachi, they're being told this is what a priest should do. He should be fulfilling this covenant. But, O oh Israel, your priests are not. It's what a priest ought to do, but it's not what the priests were doing. And so in verses 8 and 9, we see the priest's condemnation. The Lord says there, but you... Have turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. And as much as you do not keep my ways, show partiality in your instruction. 
God said, priests, I'm warning you, I'm correcting you. I'm commanding you, do what you're supposed to do. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what a priest should do. Here's the covenant that I gave with Levi, but oh, priests. Oh, priests, you do not do what you are supposed to do. You've not taken it to heart to give honor to my name. You've turned from God's ways. You've turned aside from the way and you've caused many to stumble by your instruction. The priests were supposed to teach God's people. They were supposed to reveal God's will to his people. They were supposed to apply God's word to his people, but instead they were doing the opposite and their teaching was turning the people away from God. Instead of the priests going to the people and saying, no, wait, stop. You're offering bad sacrifices to God. You're not worshiping the way he says. Here, here's what God says. Let's obey him. And they said, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter what God says. In fact, you, you're a rich guy. I kind of like you. I'm going to show some favoritism to you. You go ahead and you, well, yeah, sure. That sacrifice looks okay. We'll accept that for now. They were, they were doing the exact opposite of what they were supposed to do. They're at the end of, of verse nine. Malachi, proclaiming the word of God to these priests, says that you're showing partiality in your instruction. You're picking and choosing out of God's word. You're saying, well, this is an easy doctrine. The people are gonna like me if I tell them about this. This over here, that's a harder one. Here's where God condemns sin and these people are sinning this sin, so I'm not going to talk about it very much. They were showing partiality. They were not instructing the people of God. They were not being faithful priests. They were turning the people aside, causing them to disobey God, causing them to offer up corrupted worship, causing them to walk away from the Lord. And because they are corrupting the covenant, God condemns them. Cause many to stumble by your instruction. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but so show partiality in your instruction. These priests who were so concerned with saying, Well, I'm going to teach these things, but not these other things. Well, I'm going to let. This guy offer up bad sacrifices because at the end it'll help make me money or give me prestige or honor. I'm going to tickle the people's ears so that they all like me. These priests, because they're corrupting this covenant, because they're doing these things, instead of getting prestige, instead of getting honor, instead of getting riches, are going to be despised and abased. They have despised the worship of God. They have abased the worship of God. They've made it worthless and meaningless. They've corrupted it. And God says, I'm going to do that to you. My priests, these are the sanctions of my covenant. I told you this is what you're supposed to do. You're not doing it. You're corrupting my ways and you're leading my people aside. And so now I will bring you low. They would have the blessed office that God had given to them taken away and they would be humbled. Now, I think we ended here. 
might be a little bit of a depressing note. But I think if we think about what God is doing here, we can actually see his great mercy and grace. We saw at the beginning of this text that the priests needed to be corrected because the people of God need a priest to intercede for them. God's people need a priest to intercede for them. A true priest, an upright priest. God's people need a priest to teach them, to instruct them in in how they ought to worship, to, to direct them into what they are supposed to do. They need a true priest to teach them and to do what a priest ought to do. Israel needed a priest to intercede for them. Israel needed a priest to teach them. Israel needed a true and faithful priest who had true instruction on his lips. They and we need a priest and one who is not a Levitical priest, but one who is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God is directing Israel's attention to the fact that they really, really need a priest. God is uh, directing our attention to the fact that, that we really, really need a priest. You, dear people, need a priest to intercede with you. You have a priest to intercede for you. You have Christ Jesus, the great high priest of God. One who is better than the entire Levitical system. One who is better than all messengers which God had previously given. One who is better than Moses and Joshua as a deliverer of God's people. The author and perfecter of our faith. That's what the book of Hebrews is all about. Christ, the one who we need. And that's what Malachi is directing our attention to. He's directing our attention to the Messiah of God, Christ, the one who we need, the one who will always do what a priest should do, the one who always teaches rightly, the one who who has perfect intercession for his people, the one whose blessings will never be curses, the one who offered himself as a pure and spotless sacrifice to atone for sins. That's what Malachi 2, 1 through 9 teaches us that God's people need a true priest to do what a priest should do. And it directs our attention to the Lord Jesus Christ, the true priest who has done what a priest should do, who is doing what a priest should do, who always will do what a priest should do. We have Christ, the great high priest of God. What a marvel, what a grace that the Lord has given us this priest. So earthly priests fail. They sin. They can go astray. They can corrupt God's teaching. The heavenly priest, Christ Jesus, never will. Dear people, we ought to take great comfort in that, have great joy in that. Thank God for that. The people of Israel needed a priest. We need a priest. And by God's grace, we have the priest we need. Look to him to be the one who intercedes for you. Look to him to be the one who teaches you 
who has true instruction on his lips and who always does what a priest should do, the one that we need, the true priest of God. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we praise your name. We praise you, Lord, that we have a great high priest, that we have Christ, one whose blessings will always be blessings and never be curses, one who, whose line will never end, who will always be the priest, one who will never be removed from his priesthood because he is perfect and holy. We thank you that we have Christ who intercedes for us. Our great propitiation and our great advocate. Oh Lord, we praise you for giving us this high priest. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your priestly work of once offering yourself a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and reconcile us to God. Oh, oh Lord, help us to praise you as you deserve. Lord, help us to look to Christ alone as our high priest, the one who intercedes for us. Give us trust in him, faith in him. Give us great confidence in him. Help us. Help us, Lord, to offer you true and acceptable worship by the Holy Spirit through Christ, our high priest. We ask in his name. Amen.